cities of the Jews. And so we see that Jesus was one that, that understood this. And, and here Joseph was one that, <clears throat> that uh, had, had gone through some major trials in his life. But the thing that we need to remember is that the Lord was with Joseph. And because of that, we see, we know by what has been given to us in the histories of the scripture here is that, that Joseph was a man that didn't let the circumstances destroy him, but rather God was able to take those and define who he was. And he was a man of faith. And he was a man that now thousands of years later, we, here we are still reading about Joseph and his character and his godly demeanor, and we are seeing God's blessings uh, having been recorded about him so many years later. And, and so here's an example of, of one whose name was Joseph. There's another one, and uh, just as famous is, is uh, Daniel. And, and we know that Daniel went through some major trials in his own life. And here he is, he's growing up, a young man, and, and he's at home. And, and there he is in, in Jerusalem and in Israel and and then all of a sudden they're they're taken away into captivity and and I'm certain that Daniel probably was there and watched his own family uh, killed and slaughtered in front of him. If he had sisters, he probably watched them get carried away and maybe never saw them again and watched his father being killed and we we don't know exactly there is none of that's recorded. However. We do know that it was a violent takeover, and we do know that most people died, most men died, and only those young men that, that showed promise were taken by Nebuchadnezzar. And so here we saw, we see that, that Daniel in all of this, and, and you think about all the atrocities that, that he had just experienced and, and being taken captive, and then in Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. And so here we see that Daniel is an example of, of another one that these circumstances that took place in his life and, and all the wickedness that, that took place around him and and watching his family disintegrate in front of him and, and watching his entire life change and everything that he knew was gone and, and no longer did he have any of that. And, and, and here we see that even in that, he still purposed in his heart to follow God. And God used him. It says in verse 19 of chapter 1, and the king communed with them. And says, and among them all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king. And so here we see that, and then it tells us that Daniel continued even unto the first year of King Cyrus. The kings came and went. The kingdoms came and went. But Daniel was still standing and still being used of God. He was wise. He, he went to God. I... I you go into chapter 2, and, and here we see that, that his life was threatened, and, and, and they, they hated him because of, of his faith. And, and uh, we, we see that even because of that, we see that uh, he, he was a man that still stood and, and went to God, and, and he was blessed by God, and, 
And, and he blessed God, and he praised God, and he honored God, and he gave all credit and all glory to God. And, and we see in this that God used him greatly and spared his life. And so we, we think about Daniel, and, and, and Daniel, in, in all the, the, the power that he had, and, there was, and he was like Joseph, there was, there, there was uh, very few men that were above him, Everyone was below him in power and, and, and in wealth and honor. And we think, wow, he's really got it made. But then we turn around, we see hard times in Daniel's life. We, I'm sure that his entire life that he kept looking back and thinking about his family. I'm sure that whenever he was cast into the lion's den, that there we see that his life was, was challenged once again and even in all of that, we see that he still gave God honor and glory. But it doesn't show us that his life was always easy. But it shows us that he was a faithful man, and God used him. He was a man of integrity and a man of faith. And, and we, we need to understand that <clears throat> sometimes for our faith to grow, we have to go through some challenging circumstances in our lives. I, re, I, I, for years, <clears throat> for years, I just didn't like reading Job. <clears throat> I, uh, I always just thought, <clears throat> and, and I remember a <clears throat> pastor friend of mine that started preaching through Job, and his life kind of ended up a lot like the Job, the life of Job, <clears throat> and and he had made some kind of a statement about that and <clears throat> when he started preaching through that and then i watched what happened in his life and i i'll just be honest with you i was <clears throat> god I don't, I don't i i just i didn't tell god you just avoid it didn't want to read it didn't want to definitely didn't want to preach through it and think that god may allow those things in my life <clears throat> but and i praise the lord that i don't have anything near as hard as job we have some family members in our church now that are dealing with some of those things that Job went through. And we see the challenges of that. And, but Job is another example of, <clears throat> for all of us as believers, that sometimes bad things happen to good people. <clears throat> and, and we see that Job continued to be a good person. Job continued to be a faithful person. You know, and after some of the challenges that our family went through a couple years ago, pretty minor and compared to some, but I guess I'm just not afraid to read Job anymore. <clears throat> and I watch what has gone on in our church family. And I see the devastation that's taken place in many of our families. And I see how God's goodness has shown up. And God's grace has wrapped these families in in his loving arms and his compassion and his power and his strength and help them through that. And, and so it doesn't scare me like it used to. And so we look and we, we find Job as another example of one of integrity. Job just found out that everybody in his family had died. He'd lost everything that he owned. And Job said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord.
That, that's a man that, uh, of a godly response. And then, you know what his reward was? In chapter 2, we, we see that, that Satan continues to pester him. And, and in chapter 2, in verse 9, his reward is his wife says unto him, Dost thou still retain thy integrity? Curse God and die. That was his reward. And so we look at this and you think, why? I mean, Job was a good man, but God is trying to show us some things that sometimes these bad things have to take place in our lives to grow our faith and make us even more faithful and, and, and to walk closer with God and trust Him. And, and then later we know in chapter 23 in verse 10, He says, But He knoweth the way that I take. When He hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Maybe not here. Oh, there, there will be an example of faith here, and, but the ultimate prize will be in heaven when God will bless us with a faithful walk with him. <clears throat> and so these men give us an example, truly give us an example of, uh, of, of um, <clears throat> a walk of faith and, and truly to trust God and and, and walk with him even when bad things happen in our lives. And there is no promise in the scripture that the world thinks that is there that once you trust Christ, then it, it, it must just be a, a great valley of lilies. And, and there's just the quiet water that we drink of. And, and we just live our lives in peace and, and tranquility. And, and there's no challenges in our life whatsoever. And and they forget that we're still living in the same wicked world that they are. And, and we're still dealing with the sin that, that reeks our bodies and, and reeks in the bodies of everyone else. And, and the burden of this world and being uh, burden, burdened down the, is burdening the entire world down. And, and, and the earthquakes and, the, and, and you can just see the, the world itself crying out because of the weight of sin that that is being carried, and, and we live in that world, and, and because we live in that world, then God, God shows us and, and allows things to happen in our lives in this world so that really one of the main things is so we don't fall in love with it because it is passing. And so we look to God and we trust Him and, and we look to Him, and, and when we do that in, in the most dire of times in our lives and it's then that God takes that circumstance and it doesn't destroy you but rather it ultimately defines you and it's a lifetime of defining you know what it does it it brings out the genuineness of faith it brings out the simpleness of faith. Because there comes times where in our lives where it's so heavy and so burdensome that, that all you can do is you just trust God and, and just take one step at a time and trust Him to guide you and direct you and, and make the decisions that you need. And, and, and you just look to Him and, and, and you blindly you follow Him and, and He guides you through that time and and later you can look back and see that, that God is the one that helped you through that. 
And through that, it ends up defining you as a man or a woman of faith. And God uses that in your life to reach out to others. Think of the example that Job must have been to all of his loved ones, all of the neighbors that saw all that happen. And Job came out of that, and God blessed him. Think of the example that Daniel must have been to all of those other believers down through the years. And God defined him as a man of faith. And so we need to remember that when we go through these trials, that we just don't need to let them destroy us. But rather, we need to allow God to use them in our lives to define us and who we are as a child of God. And we trust Him. And we look to Him. And we obey Him. And we just continue to follow Him. And when you just don't know what to do, then allow Him to take you and carry you and show you what it is that you need to do. And He'll help you. You just follow him blindly and trust him, and he will. And you'll ultimately be defined as a man and a character of faith. Secondly, and the last thing that I want us to look at is, as a child of God, then let's not compromise his message and let's not compromise his will. You know, I think there are, there are times where and I don't have this written down. I, I, I read it um, a while back in my devotions. That there was a place in the scripture where the people were mad because all they had was manna. They were ticked off and they were yelling at Moses because that's all they had. Moses was mad because they were mad. And so he's ticked off at them because they're whining to him. And then he turns around, and, and being angry, then he tells it to God. And more or less, in, in my own terms, Lord, I'm ticked off. And, and I'm mad at them, and, and, and I'm frustrated with, with what's going on here. And then it turns around and tells us that God himself was mad. And as a matter of fact, I think it was in my study in Psalm 37, the, the word fret that we have seen is the very word that describes God in that situation. He was hot. He was hot. He was angry. And ultimately, he's the only one that truly had the right to be angry. And, and we see that because of that, they suffered for that. If you remember, he gave them quail to eat. And it said before they could even pick the meat out of their teeth, the plague had started and many died. And it was then that it says that Moses went in to make intercession and he had Aaron take the scepter and, and go out and stand between the living and the dead. And it says that the plague was stayed. And Moses realized that he had no right to be angry. He just needed to obey God and trust Him. You know, there are times where we are angry. And I believe God allows that. 
I believe sometimes we're angry because we're frustrated because we don't know how to handle a situation. Sometimes we're frustrated or, or sometimes we're angry because some things happened that we just didn't want to happen. And God gives us that leeway and, and allows us to, to go to him and, and, and lay it out to him. And I, I see nothing wrong with that. And I think we can. And I think God is, is, is a God of compassion and a God of mercy. And, and, and God is here with us all the time. And, and so I think there are times where we can lay it out to God. Here it is, God. This is, here's my issues. You already know what they are, but I'm laying them out for you. And, and one of them is that I am angry. I'm frustrated over what has happened here, and, 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 and we, we lay it out to God, and, and you ask God sometimes, you know, why did this happen, or can you give me some explanations, or, or can you help me with this in some way, and, and, and you know, sometimes God answers that, but sometimes God doesn't, and, I, and I, in either way, we need to understand that we need to just follow Him, and not compromise His will, or compromise his word and and think that well because these things have happened to me then then I can justify my behavior and and, and I can use this as a crutch in my life and and I can and I can be mad and bitter at God now for for the rest of my life because I'm justified in what I'm doing and and when you do that you compromise God's word and you compromise God's will and that is not at all what God wants and that's when we get ourselves in trouble. You remember Balaam, and, and for time, I'm not going to go there for the whole story, but you, you start in Numbers chapter 22, verse 1, and it goes through chapter 24 and verse 25. And, and if you recall, Balaam was a prophet for hire. Balaam came to him and said, Hey, I, I, I want to be, uh, uh, um, be blessed, and, and I want you to come, and, and, and I want you to bless our nation, and and I, and I want and I'll pay you and you can become our prophet and, and and you can tell me good things all day long and and make me feel good and 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 make the Israelites uh, bad and cursed under God and and you're really going to live a happy life and and Balaam of course is like oh yeah this sounds good I think I'll do this this is nice let's do this and and we know that Balaam ends up arguing with a donkey along the way we see that in his temptation that he lost his mind in this and tries to justify what he's doing and, and, and God sends a donkey to talk to him. And, you know, we, we need to understand that God knows the Balaams of today and they're only going to go as far as God allows them to go. But we see that he tried to justify or compromise the word of God and the will of God and and we see now that he's recorded in the annals of history of Balaam, the only one stupid enough to argue with a donkey. <clears throat> but then there was also the man of God, and I would like you to turn, we'll end with this one over in 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 13, I find it interesting, this man's name was never given don't know who he was. It doesn't share that with us. And so just says that he was a man of God. In verse 1, Behold, there came a man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel, and Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. And he cried against the altar in the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, 
Thus saith the Lord, Behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David, Josiah by name, and upon thee shall he offer the priests of the high places that burn incense upon thee, and men's bones shall be burnt upon thee. And he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is a sign which the Lord hath spoken. Behold, the altar shall be rent, and the ashes that are upon it shall be poured out. And it came to pass, when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God, which had cried against the altar in Bethel, that he put forth his hand from the altar, saying, Lay hold on him, and his hand, which he had put forth against him, dried up, so that he could not pull it in again to him. The altar also was rent, and the ashes poured out from the altar, according to the sign which the man of God had given the word by the word of the Lord. And the king answered and said unto the man of God, Entreat now the face of the Lord thy God, and pray for me, that my hand may be restored me again. And the man of God besought the Lord, and the king's hand was restored him again, and became as it was before. And the king said unto the man of God, Come home with me, and Refresh thyself, and I will give thee a reward. And the man of God said unto the king, If thou wilt give me half thine house, I will not go in with thee, neither will I eat bread nor drink water in this place. For so it was charged me by the word of the Lord, saying, Eat no bread, nor drink water, nor turn again by the same way that thou camest. So he went another way, and returned not by the way that he came to Bethel. That was the word of God. God told him to go in. You do this, and when you leave, you go out a different way. Don't turn around. Don't look back. Don't stop. Don't, don't veer off in any way. You get out of there, and you do exactly what I tell you to do. And sometimes we have no idea what God is doing, and, and sometimes the circumstances that come, and, and, and God is using us in, in ways that we don't know in, in, in our finite mind. We can't see and, and understand what it is that God wants, and and God is saying, look, you don't need to be worried about it. You just need to obey me and you need to do what I tell you. And, and, and don't compromise my word and don't compromise my will. You just do what it is that I tell you to do and it's going to be okay. But sometimes we let these circumstances get in our lives and, and they almost destroy us. And, and then we want to try to justify our behavior and, and, and God in all of his holiness, in all of his righteousness, even with all of his mercy, love, and grace, there is still the holiness and righteousness. And, and there is a point in time where he says, you still need to follow me. And that makes us the men and women of faith that God wants us to have. And sometimes the circumstances that have taken place just really stink i mean they're bad they're just really bad circumstances that have happened in our lives but we don't know what god's doing and we may never understand what god is doing here but we will see it one day and the thing that we need to realize is that this earth is just a place that it's a campground. It's a campground. We're just sojourning. And the thing that we need to do is follow God's will. And we know trust Christ as our Savior. Live for Christ. Make an impact on as many people as we can for eternity. And leave the rest to God. And the hard times will come. And God will use those 
to define us as a man or a woman of faith. Not always easy, but that's what God wants us to do. That man left that city, didn't look back. And then out of nowhere, this old man had sent a young man and said, hey, come back and sit down and eat with me. Come back and just spend the night with me. And, and, and God told me that it'll be okay. And that man of God turned around and went into that old man's house. And while he's sitting there, it was told of him by God, when you leave here, you will die. You will die. And he did. And he did. He compromised God's message, and he compromised God's will. And we see he paid that ultimate price. I think we need to understand that, and I, I don't know how to do it very well, because things are hard at times. I think we have the right to grieve. God has given us that emotion. God wants us to do that. John eleven thirty five tells us that Jesus wept whenever he looked at the family of Lazarus who were crying out because of the loss of their brother, their loved one, their friend, and they were sad. And it tells us that Jesus wept for them because of what they were going through. Because of many who had no shepherd and many who had not received him. And Jesus wept. The grief and the burden that some of you guys sitting right here tonight are carrying. I, I, uh, my heart aches for you. And I'll do everything I can to help carry part of the burden. And I know it's very little. And I don't know why God has allowed it in your lives for you to go through that. I don't know. But I do know that he didn't do it to destroy you. He did it to define you. And to help you guys to be men and women of faith. And to, and to continue to love him and continue to serve him and continue to follow him even blindly at times and, and no energy and, and, and no knowledge of what you're doing. You just, you just get through the day and, and do the things that you know you're supposed to do and you just trust him. You just trust him to get you through the day. Oh, I think there were days when that's exactly what Joseph did. Sitting in that cage as they were hauling him into Egypt, as he's sitting in that dungeon, having done nothing wrong, I think there were days on days where he just did what it is that he knew that he was supposed to do. Even as minor and as trivial as you might think it is, that's all he did. And God used him mightily. Daniel, the same way. Job. Job, the same way. 
to think of the suffering and the heartache that he went through. Jesus, the same way. The impact of the sadness and the grief of the world he took upon his shoulders so that we have that promise of eternal life for those who call on him. And you have that. Your loved ones have that. We'll see them another day for eternity. And so until then, we follow him. And we don't let the circumstances destroy us, but we allow God to take them and define us. And we don't compromise God's will. And we don't compromise God's word. We still are obedient to it with a humble and a broken heart. And we follow him. And he'll bless that. And day by day, moment by moment, God will continue to carry you and strengthen you and define you and use you. That's what we want from God. For every one of us, let us look to him. Let us praise him. Let us glorify him. Let us honor him. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the promises of it. Thank you for our Savior. Thank you for heaven. Thank you for your joy. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for you guiding us, your long-suffering, your patience, your mercy, your grace, your love your holiness, your righteousness, your truth. Thank you for the church family that you brought us together in. And help us, Lord, to be the family that can help each other through these times. Many, many, Lord, you know. and, And here again, I don't know why many in our church are suffering. Many of our church members are grieving over someone that they've lost in just this past year. Lord, I don't know why. I'm not here to even ask why. I just ask that you would put your arms around us. And I pray that you would help us to be obedient to your word. Help us to be obedient to your will. And let these things that have happened to us not destroy us or tear us apart, but truly define us as a church family that walks by faith and truly trust you. I pray your blessings. I pray your hand be upon each one. And Lord, especially, I pray for the Cross Cobbs tonight. I pray for the Simons. Pray for the Scudders and the Franks. Every time, every time we hear of a sudden death and someone taken away, those memories just flood those people. And Lord, I pray that you help them. I pray that you're in your mercy and your love, that you wrap them up in a special way. And that, Father, they experience your grace in a way that others have never experienced unless they've gone through that. And that you carry them and guide them. Lord, we love you. We pray you guide us and direct us in Jesus' name. Amen.